Welcome to Theology for the People. This is Pastor Nick Cady, and this is a podcast where we bring you conversations about theological topics, and we try to let's say, put the cookies where the kids can reach them in the sense of helping you understand theological concepts in a way that's not too hard to grasp, in a way that helps you understand why they are so incredibly important to life and how we how we live and think about God and about other people in, in, in the world. So today I am joined by Pastor Gino Geraci. Hi, Gino. Hi, Nick. And uh, Gino, I'm going to have him introduce himself here in a second, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the last several years, and we get to serve together in Colorado. And uh, please tell us a little bit about your history and ministry and what you're currently involved in. Well, I was one of those Jesus people in the early 70s. I was one of the original Jesus people. I got saved March 3rd, 1973 at a, in a tent at Calvary chapel in Costa Mesa. And at that time, it was the only Calvary chapel. But there was a young youth pastor. His name was Tom Stipe. And he was he was preaching that night from John chapter 11. I got invited to, uh, to a concert. And um, I heard the gospel. And I responded to the gospel. I got saved. I, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus, repented of my sin. And it was at that time um, that there was this growing, burgeoning, incredible outpouring of God's spirit. Young people were were getting saved. And I started teaching a Bible study in high school. And I went to school. And later on, I worked for the Department of Social Services. I then went to Rio Hondo Police Academy, which was um, for police officer safety training. Um, went to Albuquerque, New Mexico with Skip Heitzig, and I was his assistant pastor, an, an executive pastor from like 1985 to 1992. And 1992 came to Colorado and planted a church in Littleton, Colorado, just a few blocks from Columbine High School. And of course, Columbine High School became a very big deal um, in the late 90s and God in his grace and his mercy allowed us to continue to plant our church. The church grew, and and by God's grace, I had the opportunity to work in that community and work in the community of Colorado. I started broadcasting on the radio. I am now resigned from Calvary Chapel, South Denver, and I have a daily radio program on the Salem Network and on what's called the Christian Outlook on the weekend, and I'm now on the board of directors of gotquestions.org, which is one of the largest online Bible answer ministries in the world. And I'm also the director of Scripture Says. And so, I, Nick, I find lots of stuff to do. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing it, Gino, because honestly, you are a great resource too. Uh, not, not just Colorado, but I'm glad that your, your resources are being used broadly. So I, I've known so many people over the years, um, even before... Let's see, around the time that I was just getting into Christianity, giving my life over to the Lord, I think that was around the time you started broadcasting on mm-hmm. Salem, and um, people I knew were, were being benefited by that radio program. How many, how many years have you been doing it now? It's more than 20 years now. Wow. Amazing. That's great. Um, 
So Gina, what we're here to talk about today is the image of God. Mm-hmm. Now this uh, this is a well-known topic in some sense, but I think it's often misunderstood, right? People aren't exactly sure what it means. You know, another thing I've seen is that people have sometimes misused or kind of abused the concept of image of God to create weird doctrines. Sure. So please maybe lay a foundation. What is the image of God? Why is it important? Well, to your point, um, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Lord said, let us make God, or let's, let us make man, not God, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So literally when we think about it, on the last day of creation, God makes this pronouncement. He's finished the work of creation, and now sort of the last thing, the ultimate thing, the personal touch, God forms Adam from the dust and gives him life by sharing his own breath. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then man became a living creature. So in that concept of being made in the image of God, I think what we do is we begin to think about, in the simplest terms possible, what does that mean? And in the simplest terms possible, I think it means we were made to resemble God. So now we have that awful, difficult situation that could lead to a wrong way of thinking. So are we made in the image of God? Yes. Are we made to resemble God? Yes. So theologians break this down into two categories, what they call the communicable attributes and the incommunicable attributes of God. So we ask and we answer the question, in what way are we like God? And in what way are we not like God? And having that careful conversation helps us avoid falling into the trap of thinking wrongly about what it means to be made in the image of God. Let's talk about what. What are some wrong interpretations of what it means to be made in the image of God? I think one of the, the biggest wrong ways of thinking about it is that we are little gods or the heresy that somehow we are deity in the same way that God is deity. Now, we go back to the communicable, which means the things that we share with God, and the incommunicable, the things that we don't share with God. One of the the, the incommunicable attributes of God is self-existence. We do not self-exist. We exist because we are created by God. Um, God has omniscience. He knows everything. Omnipotence, all power. Omniscience, all knowledge. We don't have any of those attributes. And so for the person who falls into the trap of misinterpreting this passage to think that they are little gods, um, it's usually with all of those attributes which are patently false. So the Bible reiterates over and over again, there aren't many gods, there's one God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If that single sentence is true, then polytheism is false. Mm -hmm. Atheism is false. Philosophical materialism is false. Yeah, another uh, bad interpretation I've heard about this, I'm sure it's one you're familiar with, is the um, there's this thing out there called word faith theology. Sure. And their big concept is 
that be careful what you say with your words because your words have creative power because you're created in the image of God. So they're using that uh, that sure. phrase and saying that just as God creates with his words, we also do. So if you want something, then all you have to do is speak it into existence. I have a Mercedes, right? right. Or the other on the other hand, they'll say, don't ever say, I'm sick or et cetera, because you will speak that into existence. Any thoughts on that? Sure. The, the first thought, of course, is, well, do words matter? Of course they do. Do words have both value, meaning, and consequence? Of course they do. But this is where they fall into the trap. The trap is the idea that you create reality. In other words, that something that didn't exist now exists by virtue of the fact that you spoke it into existence. This, again, falls into the category of what's called both an, the incommunicable attribute. Only God can create something from nothing. Human beings can't create something from nothing. And this is one of the real challenges in our culture and our society because there's a growing belief, even among certain Christians, that what you think about yourself and others is what constitutes reality. Mm. Now, again, there's a measure of truth that what you think about yourself and what you think about others is important, but does it, in fact, create reality? Um, Again, in the woke popular culture in which we live, there are those people who assume that what you think about yourself personally, sexually, socially, that that's the truest thing about you. And so this is where even our understanding and our conversation about the image of God becomes important in the popular culture and a way to both think about and interact with our family and friends as we have to tackle the huge subjects of the LGBTQ community and and woke culture and social justice. Um, so this issue of the image of God literally radiates into every aspect of our lives. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, um, what are the, for example, so so let's talk about this a little bit more. What does it mean? What are the implications if somebody is created in the image of God? Let's talk about that for, in the sense of human value. I think this is something that's sure. played out a lot in the last hundred years. If you look at it, that, um, I mean, going back to Hitler, I know that um, it's a bit of a trope to call on Hitler, but he had this saying where he would say that um, some people are, what do you call them, worthless eaters or something? And it's this idea that some lives have more value than others. Some lives are a drain on society, like the elderly, the infirmed, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and it would just be better if we were without them. Uh, How does the image of God speak to that concept? Well, it speaks, I think, most fundamentally— when we ask and we answer the question, are human beings just another form of animal species? Are we like the animal kingdom? Are we like the rest of the living creatures? And and the Bible says no. Human beings are set apart from the animal world. This is why God, we're created in his image, and God gives us dominion over the earth. But we also have the ability mentally, morally, socially, to relate to God and to relate to one another. And so according to the Bible, human beings impart 
reflect the image of God in moral, social, mental, relational aspects, which means that we have certain rights, privileges, and freedoms. And again, um, we ask and we answer the question, when somebody, a human being, creates something, when Steve Jobs creates Apple computers or Bill Gates creates Microsoft software, um, these creators enjoy a certain relationship with what they have created. But no one would ever confuse Apple with Steve Jobs or Microsoft with Bill Gates. We are created in the image of God, but we have a very special interactive relationship with the creator because we were made that way. We were made to have friendship and fellowship with God, and that gives us a unique value. Mm. And I would even go so far as to say this. There seems to be good evidence that when God created angelic beings, he created them in some sort of permanent relational capacity. Angels don't die. In a very real sense, human beings are made in such a way that they never die ultimately. We know that human beings die physically, but we were created in such a way that that friendship, fellowship, and relationship was meant to last forever and will in fact last forever. That human beings will literally live forever. There, It's in it's inconceivable, to use a a word from the Princess Bride, it's inconceivable, according to the Bible, to pretend that human beings will cease to exist. And so this is the great big testimony of the Bible, that human beings were made for friendship and fellowship with God, that they're going to exist somewhere forever, but sin has hurt us terribly, and so the whole gospel story is that there had to be a satisfying way to deal with the problem of sin to ensure friendship and fellowship forever. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this. What is it? What are the implications if this is not true? Let's let's just say yes. in a world where there is no such thing that human beings aren't actually created in the image of God. Um, what would be the implications of that for well, I, I life? Think, I think there's a couple of ways of thinking about it, and some people have advocated for uh, for these positions. <clears throat> one one way is that if we are in fact the product of random processes, that we literally aren't s- specifically separate from the animal kingdom, that whatever rights and privileges that we have, they're self-imposed. And so, you know, we think about uh, the evolutionary construct of, of, of species and, and dominant species. Some people with the Palestinians where she basically said something to the effect, I can forgive you for killing my children, but I can't forgive you for making me kill yours. Hmm. Just that thought, that idea, that it, it, it's a Judeo-Christian value where she's going, you know what, my children are valuable and so are yours. And to put me in the awkward position where in order to protect myself, I have to hurt you, this is unsustainable and immoral, to use a word. So in order to to fully answer your question, that means that we have to ask and answer the question, by what measure 
do we come to the conclusion about the rightness or wrongness of any given thing? And if it's true that we're made in the image of God, then we can lean on God's revelation about what that means. But if it's not true, then the only thing that we have to lean on is the subjective opinions of human beings who are desperate to come up with a reason to value each other. But again, like a person in the ocean, you're grasping at straws. Is there something substantive enough to hold on to keep all of humanity floating in a sea of subjective ideas? Mm. So you're saying this idea is closely tied to the concept of, of revelation. I think that being made in the image of God is closely con- is tied to the concept of revelation because even the idea of, of, of being made in the image of God comes as an act of special revelation from the Bible. In other words, the reason why we believe and know that we're created in the image of God <laughs> is because the Bible says so. Mm. So, I mean, what, what would be the, the belief? Of, what is a person's belief based on then if they don't believe in the Bible? I guess you're saying that it's just a desire that it should be true or something? Well, I think that we, we could ask that question. If somebody doesn't believe in the Bible, does that mean they believe in nothing? Almost certainly that's not what it means because almost everybody believes something about something. They believe, why is there something rather than nothing? How did we get here? Why are we here? What makes us valuable? In philosophical materialism, there's no such thing other than matter and energy. And if matter and energy is all that's real, then there is no God and there, are, there is no spirit uh being and there is no uh, survival after death, and so whatever makes life meaningful, it's an it's an artificial construct. Or let's let's reject the word artificial just for a moment and just say it is a construct. It's something that we can create for ourselves in order to be able to live. Okay, and and. For many people who don't who reject the Bible and who and who reject God and who reject Jesus, that doesn't mean that they don't have a belief or that they don't want to have hope or they don't even want to have meaningful ways of thinking about the value of human beings. There are people who are listening right now that if if you ask your unbelieving family and friends, what makes a person valuable? What makes a person valuable? They could come up with all kinds of different reasons. But but the reason is never because you're made in the image of God. Mm. There's It's got to be some other reason which might be malleable and changeable if someone has enough strength and power and effort to impose their view on you. And this might be one of the most important things. If we're made in the image of God, it's not a view that we impose on one another through strength. It's rather a submission to the revelation. But if it's not true, then the only thing that we're left with is to try to either make a persuasive or a coercive argument Mm. for our position. That's really interesting. Uh, I would think, you know, I'm just trying to embody that and think it's Isn't that in? Yeah. So let's, let's put that into, 
let's just think that through. So somebody might say, and because I'm going through different arguments that I've heard, you know, apart from the Bible, as to what what makes humans unique and what gives our lives more value. Uh, one of them I've heard is that oh, you know, we're we're cognitive, right? So we have more cognitive ability than any other of the creatures in the world, right? So we have the ability to think and create. But that brings up a really important question, and this gets back to. Uh, Hitler's thing about, you know, worthless eaters, right? Is that, okay, what about a person who is in a vegetative state? What about a person who is uh, elderly? What about a person who has developmental disabilities? I think on the one hand, our society cares right now a lot about justice. And, um, and I think that that's good. I think that we should care about justice. Um, But here's the thing. Maybe that justice belief that many people have apart from God is built on maybe no foundation at all, or maybe, maybe a very thin foundation. I think what I would say, it's a false understanding of justice Mm. because in order to really truly even understand the term justice, we have to ask and answer the question, what makes something just, fair, right, the opposite of wrong? Now, If the biblical view that we're made in the image of God is true, then you're made in the image of God from the time you're conceived, the time you're born, the life that you live, and the death that you die. In other words, you're made in the image of God all along the spectrum. The only difference is time and and nutrition and location. So for the person who embraces a biblical worldview, that's why they will advocate for the life of the unborn. That's why they will challenge the people who want to terminate life at the end of life. Um, But for the person who rejects those ideas, there's a growing sense in which people will say, well, if, if my unborn baby isn't really a human being made in the image of God, why not Mm -hmm. evacuate the womb? If a person has a developmental disability and part of whatever it means to be, to, to be alive is the quality of life and your ability to interact with life. Or, or that person's ability to contribute or to society. That, that person to, to contribute, that's what makes them valuable. There's a, there's a fairly well-known young man who made an astonishing statement. His name is Nick Vojacek, and he... Uh, has a disability, he was born without arms and legs. And he tells his story that there were times in his life where he's in the bathtub and he wished he could just roll over and drown himself. But God in his grace and his mercy gave him parents who loved him and cared for him and told him that he was made in the image of God. And after speaking at an event, a person asked him the question, Why do you think God made you in such a way that you don't have arms and legs? And Wojciech said, it could be that Jesus knew that I would be a better advocate talking about his love and his grace and his mercy and his ability to save people without arms and legs than with them. Hmm. It creates a whole different way of looking at everything Mm -hmm. if what the Bible says about what it means to be a human being is true. Well, that sounds like that's a pretty important concept. So here's what I'd like to do is that in our next episode, we're going to talk about that exactly. So 
We're going to talk about the idea of revelation, meaning general revelation, specific revelation. And um, I mean, if this is what it all hinges on, that's pretty important. Well, Gino, thank you for being on this that's episode. Uh, tell our listeners how they can uh, listen to you on the radio, how they can get it, see, see the other work that you're doing in other spheres. Well, they can listen anywhere at 94.7 FM, the word, 94.7 that's, FM. That's the here word. in Colorado. That's, right? No, actually worldwide. If you go online, oh, there's online. an app. You can, Got it. You can listen 94.7 FM, the word. You can go to GinoGeraci.com, GinoGeraci.com, where I have over 1,000 plus sermons. Um, you can go to Scripture Says. Um, and of course, if you have a Bible question, even about what we were talking about, the image of God, we have several articles posted on what that means. You can go to gotquestions.org, gotquestions, gotquestions.org, and just type in, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? or And any number of other uh, issues that we've been talking about. I use gotquestions.org <laughs> all the time. And, um, because what I like about it is that the answers are very concise, brief and biblical. Yes. Oh man. Great, great resource. Glad that, and is that based in Colorado Springs? It's based in Colorado Springs. The director is a guy named Shay Hoodman. Think Mark Zuckerberg, smart, but filled with the Holy Spirit, loves the Lord Jesus and wants to minister to people the truth about what God says. Mm. You know, uh, a few years ago, I started a blog, and the reason I started the blog was because I felt like there's just so much like bad information mm -hmm. on the internet. I kind of just wanted to fill people's search engines mm -hmm. uh, with good answers, and I think that gotquestions.org does that almost better than anybody else. Thanks. So, hey, Gino, thank you so much. And we're going to have you on for next episode. So keep stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks for listening to Theology for the People. If you haven't done so yet, give us a rating and review over on the iTunes uh, or the Apple podcast app or store. Always appreciate your five-star reviews. And if you write a text review, that also really helps to boost us in the algorithm. So please do that. And God bless you. We'll be back with another conversation soon.